Fully masked and distanced, some Christchurch folks had a wonderful time singing Christmas carols in Central Park last Sunday afternoon. The weather was very different than what you see behind me today, the last of the 60-degree days in the city, with a white Christmas now more probable than not, given there's more than a foot of snow out there. The park was full of vibrant life and goodwill. As some of us rang bells and sang the old Christmas favorites, it was actually very energizing. And we attracted quite an audience for an hour or so. Even talk show host Kelly Ripa, who included a phone video of us doing our thing on her show Monday morning. It captured a heartwarming moment in the midst of pandemic. A shot of holiday cheer, I think. I didn't encounter a single person without a mask on my walk over. The goodwill was palpable, a hopeful harbinger of what lies on the other side, other side of vaccination, and I heard more than one person express the old phrase, what a blessing this is. Now, I don't actually hear that phrase so much anymore. Sounds old-fashioned, I suppose, which is in line with religious identification these days. Released Tuesday, the Survey Center on American Life found that among young adults, the most common religious identity today is, well, what would you guess? None, N-O-N-E, as in, I don't have a religious identity. Now that shift has been coming on for decades with our culture increasingly secularized and commercialized. Vestiges of former times still pop up in small ways, like our singing carols in the park that most everyone finds agreeable, generating a homey, wholesome warmth, even for those who've left the religious connections behind or never had them to begin with, similar to how a Christmas tree finds its way into Christian and atheist homes alike. What a blessing! I heard from strangers in the park. And I think they meant the caroling came to them as a small surprise, a gift, and therefore a blessing, just in time for Christmas, say I. Well, on my walk home, I got to thinking about how a lot of religious activity concerns asking for and receiving God's blessing. Christmas is a great Great blessing, we say. God's surprising gift. Believers in God want God's good favor, maybe God's approval, or at least good things for themselves and those they love. By the way, the majority of those who identify as nuns, N-O-N-E-S, still claim belief in God or higher power by whatever name they might employ. So I'm thinking the idea of blessing is a near-universal yearning. We'll end our service today with the final blessing. Here's a famous one from the book of Numbers. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Beautiful, comforting, 
and ancient. And actually today, it seems an assertively defiant proclamation acknowledging God's presence and power in a world that is now focused on other priorities. Christians routinely ask for good things to come their way, protection and healing. We want good things in our material world, stuff and prosperity. God is, we say, the dispenser of good things, and so we ask for God's blessing. But I, I wonder if we really know what we're doing when we invoke God's presence in our lives. Just what does it mean to have God's attention focused in our direction anyway? That's what I've been thinking about this week as I've brooded upon the well-known story we just heard. Mary, the blessed virgin, we call her, was visited by God's emissary. The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a virgin named Mary and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. You have found favor with God. And we say, God blessed Mary. God showed her God's good favor. And she was perplexed, confused by this, uncertain of what was intended. God favors you, Mary, whether you like it or not. I suppose she could have refused the blessing. Or could she? Interesting to consider this matter of God's blessing and favor. God blesses you, Mary. You will become pregnant without benefit of marriage, leaving your fiancé in a dire predicament. You're but a young woman, perhaps 15 years old, poor and dependent. But you will give birth, and your child will be a great gift. You are blessed. You will be a blessing for your son, and your son will be a blessing for the world. You know, that's quite something, isn't it? This series of blessings. Quite something indeed. And quite unexpected and ultimately very demanding. This was no, help me pass the test today, dear God, sort of favor. It wasn't, help me win the lottery, God, sort of hope for outcome. Not an asked for blessing at all, but a blessing nevertheless. We might call it a severe blessing. Severe because it yanked Mary out of her current existence and catapulted her into another one entirely. It cracked the seams that bind earth and heaven, and she became the doorway between them, so we say. And as the story is told, Mary is a surprise choice for this severe blessing. She holds no high rank within society. She's no Beyonce on the one hand, or Queen Elizabeth on the other. We have no reason to believe she's especially righteous. As Luke Johnson reports, she is among the most powerless people in her society. She is young in a world that values age, female in a world ruled by men, poor in a stratified economy, and she had neither husband nor child to validate her existence. She was a nobody from nowhere. The closer we look, the less sentimental and the more paradoxical the blessing becomes. When stripped 
of the tinsel and fruitcake. The story is profoundly unsettling for everyone who thinks he or she has their life pretty well managed and under control, or at least believe that exerting control and having their way is the primary life goal. This tale of an illegitimate pregnancy reveals instead that when God decides to crank up the blessings, control is pretty much the last thing we have at our disposal. What we do have is the opportunity to decide to get with the real program of life or not. We have the glorious freedom to accept God's intention. And that's not the equivalent of winning the lottery by a long shot. The Christian message does not so much pave the way to Easy Street as proclaims that God will have God's way. Come, join the cause. C.S. Lewis, the same author who brought the Chronicles of Narnia to life, wrote, I haven't always been a Christian. I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of port would do that. If you want a religion to make you really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. And I wonder if, when he wrote those words, he had been pondering this story. We certain, certainly wouldn't describe Mary's circumstance as comfortable. We'd use much larger words like astonishing, fulfilling, transforming, profoundly hopeful. We've tamed her circumstance, domesticated it, dressed it up, made it pretty. Think of all the lovely nativity scenes that depict Mary in yards of blue silk and all the other characters drawn from central casting. As the story is told, once Mary is blessed, she erupts in an acceptance speech of God's blessing. God has shown strength with his arms, she proclaims. God has scattered the proud in the imaginations of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. In her uncomfortable blessing, Mary discovers a very profound and deep calling and awesome joy. Now, for those with a heart for truth, we retell this story to remind ourselves that God intends to have God's way with us. God wants to really bless us for certain. God intends to make the world pregnant with God's purpose. In this sense, we are all merry. The medieval mystic Meister Eckhart said, we are all meant to be mothers of God. What good is it to me if this Eternal birth of the Divine Son takes place unceasingly, but does not take place within myself. And what good is it to me if Mary is full of grace, and if I am not also full of grace? What good is it to me for the Creator to give birth to His Son if I do not also give birth to Him in my time and my culture? This, then, is the fullness of time, when the Son of God is begotten in us. Maybe this sounds a bit out there for some of you, but really, 
the Christmas story has no real meaning apart from how it lodges within the lives of the living. And God knows that our own time seems extremely, extremely fertile ground for some new thing to take root, something hopeful and fruitful, something that really matters for a change, something that echoes Mary's call to arms on behalf of the God of love and justice. It's a severe blessing, I know. Sounds invasive and intrusive and earthy and very, very real. But that's the message Gabriel shared. Favored one, the Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. Doesn't that strike you as profoundly hopeful as we move into these next weeks of surging pandemic? Could we be overripe in the midst of our exhaustion and distress to believe Gabriel now speaks to each one of us? Favored ones, the Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. It gives a whole new universe of meaning to the phrase. What a blessing this is. You and I are those chosen to incubate God's purpose, to give birth to God's purpose, to deliver and announce God's purpose, to live God's purpose. We are that valuable to God. We are that beloved. May God indeed bless us this Christmas. <laughs>